NFL Draft Day 2012, a banner day in our nation's capital, as Washington took the player it thought would be its franchise quarterback for a decade or more to come. With the second pick in the 2012 NFL Draft, the Washington Redskins elect Robert Griffin III, quarterback Baylor. In his rookie debut, RG3, as he was known, played up to his promise. He completed the first six passes he threw against the New Orleans Saints. On his seventh attempt, Griffin released the ball just as he was hit. An iconic highlight shows the pass being caught by wide receiver Pierre Garçon, who took it 88 yards for the touchdown. The camera then cuts back to Griffin, who's sitting on his own five-yard line where he'd been knocked down, both arms thrust into the air in celebration of his first career touchdown pass. Griffin finished the day having passed for 320 yards and two TDs in a 40-32 victory. As ESPN's Tony Kornheiser said of Griffin's arrival in D.C., quote, Welcome to the era of unbridled optimism, end quote. But as most all rookies do, Griffin struggled. Washington lost six of its next eight games and entered its Week 11 matchup at home against Philadelphia, staring at a 3-6 record and the distinct possibility of a fifth straight non-winning season. However, that is when Robert Griffin III began the best stretch of his NFL career. In a 31-6 rout of the Eagles, RG3 completed 14 of his 15 pass attempts, with four going for touchdowns, and also rushed for 84 yards. That win began a seven-game winning streak for Washington, during which Griffin completed 65.6% of his passes and had 13 total TDs to just two interceptions. He did this despite suffering a sprained right knee in Week 13. But the fact that Griffin's superb play continued despite the injury inspired this incredible praise from Michael Wilbon, co-host of ESPN's Pardon the Interruption. And I think they can make the playoffs because they have on their team, you ready for this? The best player in the National Football League, Robert Griffin III. Yes, the best. I think the Redskins can win the division. Washington finished the 2012 season with a 10-6 record and claimed its first NFC East title in 13 years. Griffin was on top of the world telling reporters after the regular season finale, quote, the sky's the limit for this team. Until it wasn't. Despite the fact he was wearing a knee brace and still walking with a slight limp, Griffin was cleared to play in Washington's wildcard game against Seattle the following weekend. After taking a few hard hits from the Seahawks' defense, Griffin left the game for an evaluation. Dr. James Andrews cleared him to return to play. In Fox play-by-play broadcaster Joe Buck's words, Griffin struggled all day against Seattle. Yet halfway through the fourth quarter, Washington had the ball trailing 21-14. But then a bad snap derailed both Washington's playoff hopes and Griffin's career. The low shotgun snap skittered past Griffin, and as he turned to plant his right leg to reach for the loose ball, his knee buckled beneath him. Robert Griffin III is down on the ground and can't get up. That, courtesy of Fox Sports. Griffin had torn his right ACL, LCL, and meniscus and would require surgery. Expected recovery time for such a procedure could possibly be a year, meaning it seemed likely at the time of Griffin's injury he would miss the entire 2013 season. Griffin was having none of it. Instead, he filmed an Adidas commercial with this tagline, All that matters is what you do next. The imagery of the commercial was Griffin working out, and then as he said that line, the words, All in for week one, flashed across the screen. Griffin later tweeted that a week one return in 2013 was his goal, but that he wouldn't sacrifice his career to make it. He's still an active player, but he's never been the same. In 2013, he did play in week one. The team lost and ended up finishing the season in last place, with a 3-13 record. In 2014, they finished last in the NFC East again. 
By 2015, Griffin had been demoted to the bench and replaced with Kirk Cousins, a quarterback Washington selected two days after drafting Griffin in 2012. And if you're thinking, wait, why did Washington draft a second quarterback 48 hours after picking their hoped-for face of the franchise? Hi, that's just one example of how poorly the Washington football team, yes, that's their current name, has been operated since Dan Snyder became the team's owner in 1999. In his opening press conference as owner, Snyder said the team was in a quote-unquote rebuilding phase, coming off a fourth-place finish in 1998. In 1999, the team won its division and its first playoff game in seven years. In the divisional round, however, coach Norv Turner made what turned out to be a fateful decision with 77 seconds left and his team trailing Tampa Bay 14-13. Facing 4th and 3 at the Bucks' 33-yard line, Turner opted to go for a first down rather than attempt what could have been a possible game-winning 50-yard field goal. Washington turned the ball over on downs and lost the game. Before the 2000 season was out, Turner was gone, replaced by interim coach Terry Robisky, who played out the string before Snyder turned to Marty Schottenheimer in 2001 for what turned out to be a one-year experiment. Schottenheimer would go on to be named the 2004 NFL Coach of the Year with the San Diego Chargers. Four seasons into his tenure, Snyder was on coach number four, a college football Hall of Famer in Steve Spurrier, who was sadly out of his depth in the NFL. He had this to say in his final press conference before leaving the team he'd coached to a 14-18 and 18 record over two seasons. We wound up 5-11. and 11. Not very good, but there was some worse than us. I guess that's one positive way to look at it. We weren't the worst team in the league. In 21 seasons under Snyder, the team has more last-place finishes, 9, than winning seasons, 6. The team has been to the playoffs five times and never won a game in the divisional round, something Washington has not done in 29 years. The team has not won a single playoff game since 2005. Assuming the 2020 season gets underway, considering the COVID-19 pandemic, Washington will be fielding its fourth different Week 1 starting quarterback in four seasons, the second time that's happened during Snyder's tenure, which is now going into its 22nd season. And they will be on their third coach since the 2019 NFL season began, Ron Rivera. Snyder began his January 2nd press conference announcing Rivera's hiring, this way. First off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. By comparison, in the team's two-decade glory days between 1971 and 1992, the team had just three coaches, two of whom, George Allen and Joe Gibbs, are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Under Allen, Gibbs, and Jack Pardee, Washington never finished in last place, went to the playoffs 13 times, advanced to the Super Bowl five times, and won it three times under Gibbs, each time with a different quarterback. Sure, anyone can have a bad century, Chicago Cubs from 1909 through 2015. But while the Cubs were a mess on the field, and the front office and ownership was mostly disorganized or uninterested for much of that period, they didn't embarrass themselves in the news the way Washington has for much of the past two decades. On this episode of Wrecking the Toy Department, where we won't just stick to sports, because we don't have the privilege of doing so, we'll take a look at a team that can best be described as a capital disgrace. Go football team! Yes, that's the actual name of a real NFL team. Up until July 2020, the team was known as the Washington Redskins. And that is the only time during this podcast I will refer to the team by its former nickname. The historic racism of that name has been obvious for years, but Snyder refused to let go of it, saying in 2013, quote, We'll never change the name. It's that simple. Never. You can use caps. End quote. 
In the ensuing seven years, Snyder would point to a 2004 poll showing that 90% of the responding Native Americans were not offended by the team's name. And Snyder claimed that the team's nickname was meant as quote-unquote, a badge of honor. Leaving aside the argument that the poll could have been flawed, it may well be true that the people polled were not so much offended by the name as they were, deservedly so, appalled by the circumstances in which Native Americans live in this country, a population confined to reservations and struggling with, at least in 2013, rates of poverty, disease, and substance abuse that were higher than any other group in the nation. Maybe they did, in relative terms, find the name itself inoffensive, but I would argue that the term is not at all a badge of honor. Instead, it's like any other racial or ethnic slur. It's designed to otherize a certain group of people, to make it easier to think of them as unequal, as less than, as somehow deserving of whatever fate befalls them. They are not. Nobody is. And that is why the Washington team's nickname is disparaging. Don't agree with me? Ask the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office circa June 18, 2014. That was the day that office issued a 99-page decision by the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board in which the board's members canceled the team's trademark registration, saying in effect that the team's name and logo were disparaging. While the ruling was largely symbolic and did not require the team to change its name, it did dilute the team's legal protection against infringement and hindered its ability to block counterfeit merchandise from entering the market. The ruling also effectively meant that the team ceded its total control over the name, something Trey Parker and Matt Stone lampooned brilliantly on their Comedy Central show, South Park. Washington Redskins, go fuck yourself. Sure, we'd be happy to take your money. Yep, just go to our Kickstarter page. Okay, nice idiot. Uh-huh, fuck you. Bye-bye. You are Eric Cartman? Yes, I know. My name is Dan Snyder. I'm the president and owner of the Washington Redskins. Oh, cool. Please, take a seat. Thank you, but I will stand. Nice, I like that. Young man, we ask that you please stop using the name Washington Redskins for your organization. Stop? But why? Because we are the Washington Redskins, and we are a football team. You have no right to use our name to get attention. Uh, the trademark got pulled, so I'm totally free to use the name. Look, don't you see that when you call your organization the Washington Redskins, it's offensive to us? How is it offensive? How is it offensive? Jesus! We are a proud team, Mr. Cartman. We have no wish to be associated with people who actively do nothing. It makes us feel like a joke. Guys, guys, we have total respect for you. When we named our company Washington Redskins, it was out of deep appreciation for your team and your people. I know I can't legally make you stop using our name, but but won't you just do it out of decency? Mm, no, because I don't want to, and we can't just change the name of our company because it's, like, super hard. This embarrassment was followed a few years later by the revelation that the same time the team was fighting to keep its trademark, it was also sending its cheerleaders on an overseas trip to Costa Rica for a calendar photo shoot at an adults-only resort. According to a May 2nd, 2018 report from the New York Times, some cheerleaders said that when they arrived, the team took their passports. They told the newspaper they were required to be topless for the photo shoot, in front of a contingent of male sponsors and FedEx field suite holders, even though the calendar wouldn't feature nudity. As if that weren't enough, some of the cheerleaders were then assigned to accompany some of those men as their personal escorts to a nightclub. Some cheerleaders who spoke on condition of anonymity because they were bound by confidentiality agreements they were required to sign as terms of their employment with the team, told the newspaper that while their participation did not involve sex, it amounted to quote-unquote, pimping us out. One cheerleader said, quote, 
We weren't asked to go. We were told, unquote. While another said the circumstances left the women feeling, quote, unquote, worthless and unprotected. For the time, the cheerleaders were paid nothing beyond transportation, lodging, and food. The team released this statement in response to the cheerleaders' allegations. The organization is very concerned by the allegations, adding they are immediately looking into the situation. And they've spoken to current and former cheerleaders, hearing very different first-hand accounts that directly contradict many of the details. NBC News spoke with three former Redskins cheerleaders who would not speak on camera for fear of retribution. One woman said, the sluttier we looked, the better the chance we would make the team. I was benched for a game because I gained a couple of pounds. This is not so much a serious response to the allegations themselves as it is a reaction to the public relations hit the team took. Also, beware the organization that investigates itself because the results are predetermined. It would be so much easier to take the team at its word were it not for the fact that the details of the allegations are not entirely unique to Washington. Sadly, they are representative of the working conditions that cheerleaders continue to face across the NFL. However, even in this respect, Washington has set itself apart from its NFL brethren. And that's because the team's owner, Dan Snyder, has devoted himself to remaking its cheerleading program. According to a 2009 column in the Washington City paper, Snyder was, quote, bringing the craft closer to pole dancing with every season, unquote. There was a contest where five lucky winners would have team cheerleaders wash their cars, and the radio advertisement featured one man asking another if he'd like the cheerleaders, quote, unquote, soaping up and scrubbing you. Until the Times published its 2018 article on the team's Costa Rica trip, the team's website included an interactive feature allowing fans to play a version of Hot or Not by clicking on a flame to pick between images of two cheerleaders. Shockingly or not, these are not isolated incidents. Last month, the Washington Post published an article showing that the team had learned very little from the Costa Rica debacle. It cites 15 women who allege at least five former front office employees sexually harassed and made unwanted sexual advances. Some were part of owner Dan Snyder's inner circle. One of the allegations centers around former play-by-play announcer Larry Michael, who is accused of routinely discussing the physical appearance of female colleagues in sexual and disparaging overtones. The club's director of player personnel, Alex Santos, was accused of making inappropriate remarks about their bodies and asking them if they were romantically interested in him. Michael retired Wednesday, while Santos and assistant director of pro personnel were dismissed by the team this week. None of the women say Snyder harassed them. However, some of the women told the Post that they were skeptical that Snyder was unaware of the behavior. The team deferred to a statement that they gave the Washington Post, which says they take issues of employee conduct seriously and will address them promptly. That report from CBS News shows the team does not take these matters seriously, regardless of what it says. That former assistant director of pro personnel, Richard Mann II, who worked under Alex Santos, had also been accused of sexual harassment by former team employees. However, Dennis Green, the team's former head of business operations, held his position for five years after overseeing the 2013 cheerleader trip to Costa Rica. It wasn't until the article about it was published that Green resigned under pressure. It was at that point that it came out that Green had overseen a program involving hiring cheerleaders as quote-unquote ambassadors, who were hired not to cheer, 
but solely for their physical attractiveness. He was also accused of sexually harassing women on the staff, encouraging them to wear tight skirts and low-cut shirts, and flirt with the men who owned luxury boxes at FedEx Field. The day the Washington Post report came out, Allison Cassidy, a former team cheerleader, told the New York Times, quote, It's disheartening, but I wouldn't say that I'm surprised at all. When I was there, management held this power over you, and it was this abusive power dynamic that made you feel 100% replaceable. Even if we wanted to complain about the harassment, there was no one we could tell without feeling like we'd lose our job, unquote. So Washington officials can tell you all they want that they take these allegations seriously. The evidence suggests otherwise, especially the fact that when they learned the Washington Post would be reporting these sexual harassment allegations, they decided that was the time to announce they were finally changing the team's nickname. But, as only Washington's front office can do, they bungled even this simplest of announcements. In a statement saying it would retire its old nickname, in part because of its racist nature, the team still managed to use its former name half a dozen times, as though it were going on one last binge before heading to team nickname Detox. Lest you think this move was made out of the goodness of their hearts, it was more likely because of the huge hit Snyder was going to take to his bottom line. On July 2nd, the team's stadium sponsor, FedEx, released a statement saying, quote, We have communicated to the team in Washington our request that they change the team name, unquote. The company said it would remove its signage from the team's stadium in Landover, Maryland, if the team hadn't changed its name before the start of the 2021 season. One option might have been to move the team from Maryland to Washington, D.C., but that D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser told the Team 980's midday host Doc Walker and Al Galdi would present similar team naming issues. I think it's past time for the team to deal with what offends so many people. And this is a great franchise with a great history that's beloved in Washington. And it deserves a name that reflects the affection that we feel for the team. Within 24 hours of FedEx releasing its statement, other team sponsors released similar statements. And Amazon, Walmart, and Target all publicly said they would stop selling the team's gear in their stores. Ten days later, the team announced it would rechristen itself the Washington football team, effective immediately. Go football team! This is a terrible name. It is not innovative on any level. It is dull beyond measure. Temporary. It says it all. Temporary. The not Washington like football team. Who do you root for? I root for the Washington football team. Well, most people it's in Washington snooty. realize there hasn't been a football team here in about 15 years. The one thing that I would point out is that it's WFT and not WTF. Well, co-host Tony Kornheiser said there on a recent episode of ESPN's Pardon the Interruption doesn't just apply to the team's recent name change, but, in my opinion, to the entirety of Dan Snyder's ownership tenure. The team's on-field product is, has been, and continues to be a mess. There's no current reason to believe the team will end its 15-year postseason win drought anytime soon. In the past 21 years, the team has fewer playoff wins, too, than major public scandals. So, maybe it's about time the NFL takes a serious look at this capital disgrace, masquerading as a professional football team, and do something about it. Or, they can wait for the next shoe to drop, something that will almost assuredly happen with Snyder at the helm, and then deal with the ensuing embarrassment the team, and therefore the league, will then suffer. Is that really worth it? I sure don't think so. Seems to me it would be far less onerous to just cut bait on Snyder and start over. After all, 
it is possible to force a professional sports franchise owner out. Just ask Marge Schott and Donald Sterling. This episode of Wrecking the Toy Department was voiced, written, produced, and edited by me, Jake Williams. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, tell a friend, and leave a review and rating on iTunes. Thank you for listening.